This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi everyone and welcome back to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. My next guest, CEO Cliff Robinson, comes from a lineage of eyewear dating back to 1926. As the CEO of B. Robinson, a worldwide manufacturer and designer of branded and private label eyewear founded by Cliff's grandfather, Ben Robinson. When in 2018, Cliff was part of a private investment group that acquired the Revo brand, allowing him to mix his heritage and love of the craft with his passion for the outdoors and building performance products. Though I coveted Revo as a kid and finally did score my first pair, the real story of Revo for me started with Cliff Robinson, a kindred spirit who landed firmly in my heart, and I can't wait to share him. Welcome, my friend. Thank you so much, Heather. I got to get more introductions like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you deserve every little bit of it. And it's just such a cool heritage. I mean, you know, I met you when I had the idea to tackle the ascent of, you know, Africa's roof and climb Kilimanjaro with 19 other women. And we never looked back, you and I, from that very first faithful meeting, I would say, through a good friend of ours, both Jamil Spencer. And, you know, for me, it was like, when I met you, I immediately cared about you because you cared so much about what you did and you cared so much about athletes and you cared so much about people trying to do things just outside of their comfort zone. And so for me, that attracted me to you as a human being. But then I got to know your business acumen. And I mean, come on, like you've got a BA from Brown, you've got an MBA from NYU. But I want to first jump back to kind of your early years with your grandfather. Sure. And, you know, what what that instilled in you, what it taught you. And and, and then we're going to move into a little bit more of today. Sure. So uh, I'll share sort of two stories that sort of brought me here today, which um, I'm embarrassed to say is now 30 years later after I graduated (laughs) college and, and went to work. The first story is I never had any intention of joining our family business. I'm a huge music fan. I was involved in music all through college. You mentioned where I went to school at Brown is a very musical school. And I had this amazing opportunity in college to get an internship at what was CBS records and then became Sony music. 
And I was supposed to go work in the record business, which now records don't even exist, but I was supposed to work in the record business, which is now the music business right. in, in 1992 when I graduated. And as some of you who are listening, you know, might think I was starting a job in September. And so that summer we were going to, me and my buddies were all going to go cross country. And the guy who had the car got mono, which maybe is the, you know, the early version of what COVID is today. He got mono. The trip got canceled. My dad said, why don't you come work for the summer? And then you'll start your job in September. And I said, sure. I'd never really thought about being in this business. And on like day two, my dad says, why don't you go to this trade show? And I'm like, trade show? I don't know anything. Like, I'm going to look like an idiot. He's like, you'll be fine. Don't worry. It's all good. And uh, some guy who probably was not much older than I am now, but I thought was like 80, comes over to me <laughs> at this trade show, looks at my, you know, you wear name tags at trade shows. Yeah. And says to me, Cliff Robinson, you must be Benny Robinson's grandson. And I said, yes, I am. And, you know, I'm 22 and I don't want to hear any of this stuff. As you can imagine, I'm whatever. And he looks at me and he's like, your grandfather is one of the most wonderful people I've ever met. He has been so supportive of me and so supportive of my industry, of the industry. And you should just, you're really lucky. I hope you realize that. And for some 22 year old punk graduate from college who thinks he's pretty cool, it really hit home. And 30 years later, I'm telling that story, which means it obviously meant something. And, you know, there's something special about that familial bond and you know, the world we're in today is not about family business the way it used to be. And so, yeah, it's special. And that's always, you know, held, held close to me. That, that one's always resonated. That is a beautiful story. I didn't even know that story. And I think that's got to keep you on your toes, right? You got to keep me on my toes, my <laughs> friend Cliff. Well, I'm telling you, because I do know a lot about some of the heritage of your grandfather. And, you know, I didn't know that that's how you got into the business. And I love that because look at, we're still wearing eye appliances, but we're not spinning records. Although I'm sure some people have a really cool um, spinning set still with lots of vinyl in their, in their closet, but the world is changing and, you know, it's changed a lot from when your gra grandfather, you know, started in 1926 in this business and you have seen so much change. I mean, you have a good acumen for business in the background. And I just want to talk about Revo as a brand because I was fascinated by the brand of Revo by as an athlete, right? As a young athlete, sure. you know, as a skier, there were two brands that you wore. You either wore Varney or you wore Revo sure. and they were both wildly coveted. And for me, there was nothing like a Revo lens. Like, and I didn't even know that back in the day, like why I, I just knew that they were the best glasses to protect right. my eyes. Really. You didn't know those. why you just knew it was better. I didn't know why. So I want to talk about the fascinating start of Revo because it really is fascinating. So can you tell us how now your company really came to be, how Revo started? Well, I can tell you how Revo started. I can tell you how I got involved with Revo, but I certainly, I want to make clear to everybody. We did not start Revo, unfortunately. Right. Um, 2018, you guys acquired Revo. Yeah, so but I, I say that not to interrupt you, Cliff, but because heritage is so important to your, yeah. your family and to your heart and as is performance, you yeah. acquired almost like your heart when you acquired sure. Revo. So that's why so I say that. You know, Revo is this incredible heritage brand that was started in 1985. I was 15 years old at the time. I was in the eyewear business, but I wasn't really in the eyewear business. My family was. You know, I remember vividly asking my parents when I was in college, being like, hey, can I buy Revos? And my parents were like, no, <laughs> like you can't. We're in this business. You'll wear our sunglasses. 
And so Revo for me was always this brand that, you know, was the height of perfect in our industry. Like, you know, I always said, God, I wish we had done something like that. And we just had never done anything like that. Our business was a very different, as you mentioned, sort of licensing driven. We partnered with designers. We really took the design aesthetic of designers and interpreted that into eyewear. And as the concept of licensing and partnership sort of became a little unsustainable, I knew that for me as a business person and for our family business to continue, you know, we needed to really own our own destiny. And so we were, we were on this quest to either start our own brand or acquire a brand that we could own as opposed to rent, if you will. Right. And in 2018, the company that we met through a mutual friend, Jamil, was looking to acquire the intellectual property of Revo from a very large conglomerate that had bought Revo. You know, Revo was this independent brand that got huge success. And as happens with independent brands, you know, it got bought up by a big conglomerate, became part of a portfolio and kind of was put to sleep in this portfolio. It wasn't, you know, if you remember that movie, Princess Bride, it was like, it was almost dead. It wasn't <laughs> quite dead, but it was almost dead. But the archives were still right. so full right. of life. I mean, life. but there's still this, you mentioned, like there's this incredible heritage. There's this passionate following of fans that Revo had built over the years. And I don't think they even realized it, but they were clamoring for like, what is Revo going to do next? Because right. I haven't heard from them in a while. Right, exactly. And so we, we had this big opportunity and, you know, classic entrepreneurial story as I put together a group of really friends, friends and family is what it's called in the industry from an investment standpoint. And four of us got together and bought the intellectual property of Revo and merged it into my legacy business of B. Robinson and sort of Nuco was born. And Nuco is, it's still called B. Robinson internally, but really Nuco is Revo. Yeah. And what drew me to Revo, as you said, is, you know, this concept of heritage, this concept of, it is literally the most perfect brand in the eyewear industry. I always say it's so unique that you know, there are many of other brands out there that are good brands, but they're commodities. You know, it's sunny. You need a pair of sunglasses. Mm-hmm. You're on the water and you hit a wave and your sunglasses fly off. And, you know, I got to run to the drugstore and get another pair of sunglasses. But there's something about Revo that I can't quite put my fingers on that people want to tell us their stories about the brand. They covet this brand. It's, it's almost like a community of people as opposed to, you know, it's a commodity that you buy in the drugstore, you buy at your optician. And, I love that. A community you know, to of this people, day, not a commodity. It's community, not a commodity. And to this day, you know, I will sit from time to time in our call center and just listen to people. And like, they literally, they want to talk and tell you the story of, yes. you know, it was 25 years ago and I was working two jobs and I had to have Revos and they were so expensive, but that's what I wanted. And, right. you know, we want to bring that feeling back to people, which I hope we've done over the last two years to where it's cool and it's exciting and it speaks to the DNA and heritage of what other people really did when they created this brand. You know, I see myself as a steward of those who started it. One of the things I want to talk about, about Revo, which was super cool for me to understand because I always listen, people do polarized lenses or whatever, but I I always was like, there's something different about the lens. Like when I put on Revo glasses, the world just looks better. I can see better for my performance, whether I'm in the water, whether I'm on the snow. So from a performance level, like when I was younger, that's what it meant to me. And Revo was born, I know that you like to say in a a NASA research lab in the eighties, right? 
Can you talk a, l- a little bit about that? There was an astrophysicist involved in the, in, in the lens, right, of yeah. Revo. So let's talk a little bit about the proprietary exclusivity of a Revo lens, because I will tell you guys out there, you get what you pay for. And you, totally. when you buy a pair of glasses that you spend money on, you take care of them and you care for them. And you, you, know, you know that there's a difference between your eye protection and eye fashion. And we're going to get into that, too, because Revo sure. knows how to do fashion just as much as they do performance. Thank you. So, yeah, so the story is, you know, legend has it. Um, <laughs> there was this guy, as you said, NASA scientist. His yeah. name was Dr. Mitch Ruda, and he happened to be a skier. And his job at NASA was NASA was sending satellites up into space in the 70s and 80s. And these satellites were getting damaged up in space because the sun's UV rays were knocking into the satellite and ruining the sides of the satellite, especially right. the glass portholes. And this guy, if you think back to when you were a kid, like cartoon moment, like the light bulb went off in his head. Yes. And said, if I can do this up here and I can create these coatings that are going to protect multi-million dollar satellites for NASA, you'd think I can give my eyes some better protection and performance when I'm skiing down the ski slopes in Aspen at Vail, et cetera. And, you know, classic entrepreneurial story of, you know, he went to his garage and tinkered around. He had a good garage because he was a NASA scientist. And uh, he came up with a better mousetrap. And that mousetrap was the Revo lens, which we call the light management system. And that's sort of our proprietary secret sauce that is just a better lens experience and better protection than a lot of the competitors out there. Everyone will tell you they have the best lens. I'll say it too. And I always like to say, we prove it by saying, go try it on and see for yourself. And we stand by that. If it's good enough for Buzz Aldrich in space, it's good enough for me. In fact, he wore Rebo goggles, right, on, on the moon mission? Yeah, so, so yes, Buzz did and everything. But, you know, for those of you who know Revo, there's this iconic picture. The first Revo ad was guy in spacesuit. When Revo was a big deal back in the 80s and 90s, I remember this cool ad. There was guy in spacesuit wearing Revo, and it was totally iconic, and it was in every window of every store. And when we got involved doing the due diligence to buy the brand Revo, you know, stupid me, I learned very quickly that dude in a spacesuit was Pete Conrad, who's the third man to walk on the moon. Oh, no. And way. the original, right. And so the original Revo advertising from back in the day was not some dude in a spacesuit. It was Pete Conrad, who was the third man to walk on the moon. And he and Buzz and all these other guys wore Revo because they really liked it, um, obviously, yeah. after they walked on the moon. And so I, tracked down Pete Conrad's wife, who is still living and a wonderful woman. And she's become a dear friend. And we resurrected all this advertising from the eighties and nineties, but it was something I learned. It was so cool that like, here was this guy in a spacesuit who was actually the third man to walk on the moon, who was the first Revo ambassador. And today, you know, as, as I like to say, if it's good enough for Bodie Miller, who's one of our ambassadors, if it's good enough for Annika Sorenstam, who's one of our ambassadors, if it's good enough for Bear Grylls, who's one of our ambassadors, it's good enough for us. Um, Absolutely. And that really tells the story. As I like to say, when we're training clients or retailers, I'm like, don't listen to me. I'm some boring CEO. Listen to all the people who we have in our pictures. They yeah. wear Revo in their day job. If it's good enough for them, it should be good enough for you. 
Absolutely. And and I want to talk about just a little bit more on Revo the brand because I am part of that community and one of those, you know, it's definitely good enough for me. But I know partnerships and collaborations, which is kind of how we started, is important to you and to the brand. So yeah. tell us as a business person and as Revo about some of those partnerships, because it wasn't only the heritage, the early heritage and science and technology behind the brand, but yeah. you did bring it into modern times, not only yeah. with, you know, like Bear and Bodhi, but like with Jeep. And so, so sure. talk a little bit about the capsule collections and the ethos of these partnerships and why they're important to Revo. So and you as a businessman. There, there are two words that get very overplayed in the world today. One is organic and the other is authentic. And so I'm going to overplay those words again and say, we really only do things that are organic and authentic, right? You are not going to find a hockey player be a big ambassador for Revo. I'd love for hockey players to wear Revo, Mm -hmm. but hockey players don't need Revo in their day job. Football players don't need Revo in their day job. We really want to partner with people who need our product for their day job. And we'll talk about it passionately because here's another dirty little secret. All these partnerships you see out there in advertising, whatever, I think most people are smart enough to realize those are paid partnerships. We as Revo, and it makes my job a little harder, we don't pay our athletes. Yes, there's some form of compensation somewhere, but we don't pay our athletes to wear our product. We don't send our athletes thick contracts and determine how many times they're supposed to talk about it on social media or where they're supposed to talk about it. Our contracts are a page or two, They're more handshakes than anything else. And we partner with athletes and celebrities who want to wear our product because they believe in it, because they want to wear it, because it works for them. And so, you know, whether that's Bear Grylls or Bodie Miller or Annika Sorenstam, these are seasoned veteran athletes who, you know, they have access to anything they want. They choose to work with us because it's just a little better. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned before Jeep, which is obviously not a person, but similar story Jeep was out there looking for a partnership with eyewear because they were looking to expand their lifestyle category outside the car. And, you know, the Jeep consumer, if you look at like on paper, what Jeep says their consumer is, it's someone who's rugged, who's involved in adventure, wants to travel, wants to live life outdoors, et cetera, et cetera. Great heritage. Of course, Jeep was founded in 1941. And, you know, they almost basically, they kind of came to us and said, you fit the DNA of Jeep we believe this is a unique partnership. And I believe in the world of marketing, one plus one should always equal three. And the way you get one plus one to equal three is you take a Revo and a Jeep and you partner together, or you take Revo and Bodie Miller and you partner together. It makes the marketing story easier. And it gives that again, authenticity to a consumer of, Hey, if Bodie Miller likes this, it's probably okay for me. And again, I'll come back to authentic and then organic. It's got to be organic. It can't feel forced. And then Um, it's also genuine storytelling. You're getting content that's totally real. I mean, from, you know, an Olympic athlete to someone who's an amateur athlete, like me climbing mountains, you know, the the idea of organic, really authentic, and I'm going to now overuse those words, storytelling for the product and the brand is, I think, what's so important. Mm -hmm. I think one of your earliest partnerships comes out of your love for music, but also someone who wore their glasses every single day in their day job. And that was Bono. That is true. So you you have, you have put the fashion in the everyday, like it wouldn't make sense for you to 
take Eric Clapton, for example, who doesn't really wear a lot of eyewear, you know what I mean? And be like, oh, you're going to be a real ambassador. But Bono made a lot of sense. And can you share with us what was that like collaborating with Bono? Uh, Heaven on earth is what it was like. (laughs) Um, I mean, I mentioned before I'm a big music fan. So to be able to, you know, meet and work with and collaborate and support Bono's charitable efforts was just a dream come true for me. You know, we were, and this is going to sound very sort of obnoxious, whatever, whatever. Um, but I had the pleasure once to go backstage before one of the concerts with my, at the time, 10-year-old daughter. And Bono greeted her and kissed her hand. And it's this incredible moment that we will always have in our family. Um, but the partnership with Bono came together because, as you mentioned, he wears sunglasses every day. And most people out there think Bono's this cool rock star who wears sunglasses because he's a rock star and he can get away with it. But the reality is Bono suffers from some eye disease where he is gradually losing his sight, which he has shared publicly. And as he has shared, you know, he says, don't worry about me. I have plenty of money and I have great doctors and I'm going to be okay. But not everybody else with this problem is going to be okay. And so we ended up partnering with Bono to support a charitable effort to help giving sight to those who are technically what we call blind, but that doesn't mean they can't see. It just means they our sight impaired. Limited visions, yeah. Limited vision. And so, you know, we partnered with him and created a charitable effort where we impacted the lives of about 50 million people over a number of years um, to help them gain the gift of sight. Um, And the partnership did not continue for a whole host of reasons, which we don't need to go into today. But, you know, from a personal level, we remain in contact. And, you know, he's very grateful for what we did. And to his credit, I will say publicly, he did not take a dime. Everything we did was donated to this charitable initiative. I did not take a dime for our company. We just did something that we felt was really important to give back. And it's one of the prouder things that, you know, I've done in my career is, you know, we helped impact the lives of, you know, close to 50 million people, which you know, was super, super amazing thing that we were all able to do. And it took a big team of people to do it. Yeah, And we got to see some good concerts at the same time. You got some good music out of it and some good memories. But I I wanted to mention that because, you know, obviously you and I, I learned this about you early on about your partnership with Mono and I I had known about it and philanthropy within, you know, or an organization, you know, I always say like, you know, set a seat at the table for it or don't start your business because giving back is such an important, important thing. And, and I health and vision are obviously very important to you in the business that you're in. And, you know, I came at it through, um, an ambassador for the foundation flighting blindness. And then of course, through my right. son's own hearing loss, really, le- you know, learning about the American with disabilities act and how we left behind people for so long. So yeah. I want to just talk about really quickly for people who don't really get it just because you are an expert in it before we move on to some of the business acumen uh, points that I want to go over with you, but why is it so important to protect our eyes and why is not all lenses created equal? Can we just talk about that for one second before we move on to business? Of course. And I certainly don't want to sound like some geeky doctor, whatever. And I don't want to sound like, you know, big brother telling you what to do, but you know, I, you can go down the list of all of the famous quotes out there that the eyes are the way to your soul and, you know, the gift of sight and whatever. Um, but the cold, hard reality is, you know, the eyes are probably one of the most incredible parts of your body. Think of everything your eyes do for you. They help you see, they help you navigate the world. They help you experience the world. But from a medical standpoint, the eyes also are one of the best ways to actually learn if you have other diseases that you are suffering from, 
you know, one of the best ways to diagnose diabetes is through an eye test. You know, what we all know as humans is you go to the doctor once a year for your annual checkup. What we also know now, as we've learned over the years, is when you go outside in the sun, you wear your sunscreen or you put on your baseball cap or you wear your UV protective shirt. But what nobody realizes is that the sun's harmful rays are just as damaging to your eyes as they are to the rest of your body. And a good pair of sunglasses is the cheapest, no matter what socioeconomic level you are in, a good pair of sunglasses is the cheapest way to protect your eyes for your life. It's nice if they also give you great experience and it's nice if they're Revo, but like a good pair of sunglasses is the best way to protect your eyes from the harmful rays of the sun. And I'm not recommending you do this, but go sit outside for 30 minutes without sunscreen and see what happens to your skin. Right. That same thing is happening to your eyes and you don't even realize it. And so it's super, super important, not only to wear a great pair of sunglasses, but my, you know, public service message of the day is also, you know, to go get a checkup every year, but not everybody's so good about getting their eyes checked up every year. And there's a reason there are eye doctors out there is you really need to get your eyes checked every year, just like you get for your general checkup. Yes, please holla. Thank God, because it's not just about, you know, your eyeglasses or a ma- go and getting your own magnifier because you're aging. There's glaucoma tests. There's all kinds of things of that are in your DNA sometimes that you really have to have to check And just overall eye health. Well, I think that was the perfect way to describe it. Sit outside without sunblock for 30 minutes and realize that that same thing is happening to your lens of your eye. Because at Revo, you know, you encourage everything, everybody to get outside and experience life. It's part of your kind of heritage in the brand and whether that means kayaking or golfing or just walking down the street, uh, skiing in, you know, Antarctica, which I agree a hundred percent with that philosophy. It's so important to protect your eyes. So I want to talk a little bit about your mission and, you know, I know that the company's core values, you know, are heritage performance and passion. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that makes a lot of sense based on what we just said, heritage, performance, and passion. And you have a mission statement, which I want to read because I love it. And it says, oh, quote, I, I hope I remember it. <laughs> I'll, well, I'll remember for you, if you don't. So, cause I'm a really good unpaid ambassador also. <laughs> and by the way, I, I can attest to everything he says about his marketing acumen and the passion for it and the people who are involved in the brand, because I am one of those people. Okay. We went to space was the mission is the mission statement. We went to space to create the best lens on earth. It's a simple way to celebrate our technology roots and remind everyone that we offer for a best in class visual experience. So I want to talk about that. that. That's really good. It's really good. It had to be you, Cliff. Because as CEO, I know you believe that you must be both honest and vulnerable with your team. And people follow you because you're a good leader. And I know that for myself personally. And a good leader to me is always open and honest and wants to admit when they're scared or they're wrong and they don't have all the answers. And they also bring in people who are better at certain things than they are. So that they create a dynamic team. I want to talk about that principle with you and, and why it's so important from someone of your stature. Can you just talk to some young entrepreneurs or leaders out there about how important that is? Sure. So, you know, I'm a member of a business organization called YPO and the whole philosophy behind YPO is never say you should, or you can, or you can't, or I would do this. It's always talk from experience. Um, and, so I'm going to break that rule and I'm going to tell everybody what they should or should not do. 
And, you know, I can tell you from 30 years of experience, if you think you have all the answers, you don't. And that's not a very good place to be. Um, you know, the whole, the whole point of being a good leader is listening, learning, having an open mind, asking questions. You know, as you said, Heather, it's being vulnerable. As I said earlier, one of those big overworked words is being authentic. Um, you know, COVID's a perfect example. Anybody who told you they had answers in 2020, March, April, was either lying or putting up a really good front because they were so scared and couldn't admit it. Um, you know, a good leader back then, we were winging it. Right. Every 24 hours was a new day. Right. Um, and, you know, if you thought you had all the answers in April of 2020, I bet your business isn't here today. Right. Um, and that's, you know, the best lesson I could give to anybody is just, you know, you don't have all the answers and that's okay. Yeah. We're supposed to kind of figure some of it out along the way and offer the wisdom that we do have experience under, but every business that I started or every brand that I worked for, just because I had experience in the business doesn't mean it was the same old thing. It's not a cookie yeah. cutter, you know, world that we live in and there's di you know, that we have to be dynamic. What was one of the takeaways as a company, you know, that you had during the pandemic that you might be able to share? Yeah. I mean, oh my God, there are so many takeaways. And I actually, it's funny over the last couple of weeks, I actually went back to some of my early emails and things back in March, April, May of 2020. You know, I think the biggest takeaway, I mean, if we had five hours for this, I could share hours worth of takeaways because I learned a ton. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway from COVID was the concept of team. And as I said to my team, and we all went remote like everybody else, other than my warehouse who, you know, they were really amazing people who came to work every day and did what they need to do to keep the lights on. Cause if we don't ship product, we're out of business. Right. Um, but as I said to my team often for the first six months, you know, as far apart as we all are, we've never been closer together. And I think fostering this, this feeling of intimacy and teamwork and family really is what brought us through is everybody had this sense of purpose and sense of mission because we were all in it together. It wasn't me telling them what to do. It wasn't me calling a zoom meeting and freaking out and saying, I don't know what we're going to do. It was me calmly saying, Hey guys, you know, the old world, we used to plan 12 months, 24 months, 36 months. Right. Now we're planning 24 hours. Right. And, and that, you know, vulnerability or again, honesty, and the, the necessity to just bring everybody together and let them know it's going to be okay, I think is what got us all through it, is everybody knew it would be okay. Everybody knew we as a team were going to support them. And keeping people together. You know, one, one thing we did, I'll share this with everyone and then we can move on. And I will also say it was not my idea. I read about it in the newspaper and it was another company's idea. We started what we called the Corona Smile email. Everybody during COVID needed to smile. And so literally every day, someone in the company had to send a company-wide email about something that made them smile. And it was the kind of thing that, you know, people day one or two, they weren't so sure. I, of course, had to lead the way. You know, 30 days in, people were sharing, you know, pictures of grandchildren and, you know, just pictures of sunsets that they saw and stuff like that. And it brought the team together. Beautiful. And that's my biggest takeaway is even if we're remote, we can be a team. 
Yes, I love that because let me tell you, I learned about that um, idea in a different way about 10 years ago in business. And that was that we very, very oftentimes we knew nothing about the person that sat right next to us. Yep. We knew what they did in their job in the daytime, but we really didn't know about their lives. And sometimes that was, you know, conflict causing because you really didn't know what was going on with someone right. internally necessarily. And so getting to know people that you work with is an incredible, incredible um, exercise to do in bad times and in good times. That's now, right. Do you think one of the hardest obstacles that you've had to come across as a CEO is the pandemic or are there some others that you can share? Well, I mean, the pandemic is off the charts, the I mean, craziest yes. thing I think all of us yeah. have ever lived through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I think a more, <laughs> yeah. It's like outside of the pandemic, what was right. the hardest obstacle you had? I, you know, I, I think a more realistic <laughs> obstacle for us was, you know, I shared earlier that our business was very different five and 10 years ago than it is today. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our history as a business was really, we rented other people's names and sold product under their name and sort of had to wear the cloak of who that designer was at the time and, and translate their DNA into what we did into our product category. And this concept of renting other people's names really became unsustainable in our business for a whole host of reasons. And so I think the hardest challenge for, for me personally and for us as a business was how to navigate what clearly was happening over time, but what felt like was happening literally overnight that our entire business was, you know, literally dying. And how do we deal with that? And so, you know, if you look at B Robinson as a company in 2010 versus B Robinson as a company in 2020, you know, that 10 year period is super short. Um, you know, I'll put it in a music term for you. You know, the, the Bruce Springsteen live album was 1975 to 1985. It's not that long a time period. Um, <laughs> and, and we, you know, our business in 2020 was completely and utterly different from it was in 2010. Yeah. And there were some really tough times and really challenging cash flow issues. And, you know, those come to Jesus moments where we weren't sure if we were going to make it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with perseverance and smart, calm thinking and relying on team and not thinking you have all the answers, you know, here we are still going, yeah. even though it's a new company with some new investment, you know, the company was started in 1926 and here we are, it's almost at a hundred years. And that's, you know, and that's a testament to a lot times. of people. Yes. Change and it's, with the times. And evolution and change with the times, because what I, I want to break it down just for some of the people who are listening, what Cliff was saying was, you know, back in the day, like I'll just use like the eighties for an example. Um, sure. you know, we were licensing a lot of things in the fashion industry, you know, the, like a, a brand, for example, when I worked for puffy at Sean John, we would do our core companies, which was fashion, but then we'd find licensees for all the other products, like, you know, a sunglasses and eyewear and socks and small leather goods and suits. Sure. We, we didn't make our own suits in house. We made the first few in house for the runway, but then we would license it out. And that model started to not work after a while. And that's what uh, Cliff is re referring to. And I have my own opinions as to why, um, but I think one of the ones that everybody would agree and stand out comes back to a word that we overuse a bit is authenticity. Totally. That brand stamp of just licensing out your name to everybody under the sun and not really being authentic to the brand or to the consumer that's trying to be loyal to that brand. Right. So that, that business stopped working by the 
the vote of the consumer. The consumer was like, yeah, I'm going to try to find brands that have heritage, brands that are family run, brands that actually make their own products. And I think that there was a shift in that. Right. Would you agree with me? I think you hit the nail on the head right there. And, you know, for the benefit of everyone listening, brands that make their own product, I think is the key to this entire discussion. If we're going in that, in that direction, you know, 20, 30 years ago, brands had their stamp on everything, you know, I'm no offense to Pierre Cardin, but I think that was the joke is he had over a hundred categories of product. Yes. He couldn't possibly as a person have been an expert in a hundred different categories no disrespect to them. They have a very fantastic brand and business. To this day. But if you look today at, you know, right. brands that resonate with people, it's brands that are making their own product. You know, in the outdoor space, you look at Revo. We are known for sunglasses. A Revo shoe would be cool for me, but like, is it really authentic? Right. Not today. Maybe one day, but not today. Maybe one day, right. And then you look at other brands like, you know, we all have in our minds, you know, what North Face stands for and what Patagonia stands for. You know, there's new brands out there, you know, Faraday and Vori and all these new, like we all know what they stand for. They, they have their core competency. Roan, you know, is a great brand, good friends of ours who, you know, they stand for something. And I think today that's so important. And again, words become overused for a reason because it actually means something and authentic and organic while overused really do mean something. And you know, for Revo, we're eyewear. Like if you ask anybody on the street, Revo, they'll say great lens. We could make a nice watch, but yes. like, that's not who we are right. today. <laughs> right, right, right. And staying authentic to that message and staying in your lane, so to speak, until right. you build a heritage business that then you can break out into your own classifications or new classifications on your own. The other thing that I want to say that you did too is, and I'm a big fan of Revo Designs, but what I loved is I also am a big fan of Bodhi's design that he did with you. I love his shield yeah. and, I, and I love their grills that he did a camo sunglass that I would have never thought of. And so, yeah. and I really feel super cool wearing it and I love wearing it. And there's reasons I have to be wearing it. You know, I went fishing, you know, well, why not wear my camo bear grillless lens when I'm deep sea fishing, right? Oh yeah. So, <laughs> but I think that that was also good. We even talked about, you know, for my design acumen, doing some sort of collaboration down the road. And that's what I thought, or before, you know, the pandemic, we talked about it, but I think that you also took your business model and said, Bodie Miller needs sunglasses for skiing, but what kind of sunglasses does Bodie Miller wish he had? Right. You know, and, and that I thought was really interesting. So I, I love that part of your brand that you give the athlete a chance to, you know, be the designer and come into yeah. your walls and work with your engineers and work with your design team. And I have to say, you know, mostly in the performance based industry, will you find something like that? But you don't find it until a lot of times these people are Olympic status. Right. You know what I mean? Like Lindsay Vaughn, you know what I mean? Or something like that. Now she's going to have all yeah. these, you know, clothing lines and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. like, I love that you were working with people that are still in the business, like truly not that she's not skiing, but you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, well, yeah, you know, and the, the thing with Bodie and I'll, I'll share with everybody a little yeah. story. Um, this is going to get a little technical for people, but there's, there's something called like what's called a fixed lens where it's dark. And then there's lens. also something called a photochromic lens, which can go from dark to light mm -hmm. depending on your conditions. And photochromic is something that I'm not going to take credit for inventing. It's a technology that's been around for a while. I've always thought it's a really cool technology because 
when you're in the shade, your lenses lighten up. So it's easier to see. And when you go back out into the sun, your lenses darken up and, you know, protect your eyes better. And it's a technology that I always thought was cool, but I didn't really know how to harness it very well. And so when we met Bodhi for the first time and we met Bodhi over COVID over zoom, so it can be done. You know, Bodhi shared with us his vision, no pun intended of what works for him on the slopes. Yeah. And he said, I need a pair of goggles that I can put on at seven in the morning. And I don't have to fumble around in my backpack when I'm on the chairlift mm -hmm. and, and change out my lenses and do this and do that. You know, I want something that I can wear all day long and I'm, you know, shoving my kids onto the chairlift now. And I, I don't have all this time. And when I'm racing, you know, I want something that if it's sunny, I got it. And if there's some shade on the course or if one course is shady and then it gets sunny, I don't want to deal with all it. this gear. Right. And so we together developed this, what I'll call again, better version of a photochromic lens that changes light to dark faster, that works for you all day long that, you know, and I'm a skier and you're a skier, Heather, like you can put it on at eight in the morning and you can still be wearing it at four in the afternoon. And for all of you skiers out there, you know how the conditions change from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's sunny, it's cloudy, it's snowing, it's flat light, it's this light. We created a better mousetrap. And, you know, in a recent interview, Bodhi, I mean, and in only the way Bodhi could do it, you know, looked straight into the camera and said, these photochromic lenses that we developed are the most no-brainer development I've ever heard of in my life. Why didn't <laughs> someone think of this first? Exactly. And that's what we try to do is solve problems and make yes. a better experience for people. And I'll go back to authentic and organic. It's got to work. And, and, you know, you were the solution and Bodie Miller was represented the problem to you. And you guys came up with the solution yeah. there. One of, I've been wearing, I've been wearing that particular shield quite a bit and I love, love, love it. What is your, I yeah. mean, do you have a favorite product you've ever made? You know, at the risk of offending everyone in my company, because Revo <laughs> is really known for sunglasses first. I wear many pairs of sunglasses, but there is nothing like our goggles. Yes. Um, for the problem I just talked about, they have literally like, I, I can't say enough about them. <laughs> I just, I love them. I can, can um, I say something about your goggles? So you guys, I summited Mara Peak in Nepal. It's 20,000 feet in the, in the air. It took me 11 days to get up there. I had a broken wrist. Um, it was uh, the, one of the hardest things I ever did in my life, but one of the most fulfilling things I ever did in my life. And I, Reva with, was with me all the way. You, your face swells from the altitude. You get yeah. from the altitude and you get very burnt. You you know, you get, so, you know, a lot of sun exposure and your eyes get a ton of sun exposure. And when I came down off that mountain, I thank God Cliff was good enough to give my whole <laughs> team Revo. We all had our Revo goggles on and our Sherpas on that particular day all came down with sunburnt eyes. They yep. were, it was just a tough, really tough climb. They were really, we were all really beat up from the sun and none of the team members that had on Revo goggles had any eye issues at all. So I can attest for, and I ski with them only. I only wear Revo. Let's just put only. it. I, don't, I only wear Revo. There's nothing yeah. else. I have my, I have my new favorites right here. Oh, love those. Yeah. Those so I cool. mean, if we're I talking favorites other than goggles, these are my know, fashion favorites. I had to wear the, the fashion. The blue mirror them. lens is hands down my favorite lens color. This, I, that's why I put it on. only wear the blue lens. It's, you know, Revo's heritage. It's what I grew up so cool. watching and knowing and coveting. And, you know, the fact that I can now 
wear without my parents yelling at me is, um, <laughs> exactly. it was a really good thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love it. Okay. So speaking of, you know, your favorite glasses and, and, and the goggles, like what's the craziest adventure you've ever been on with a pair of your, you yourself, Cliff Robinson, what's some of the crazy stuff you've done with, with Remo oh, protecting your eyes. That's a good one. So and making you look um, fly. So like you, I did climb Kilimanjaro, but it was before we owned Revo. So yeah. I was not wearing Revos at the time. Wow. My craziest Revo adventure. Ah, you stumped me. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's some crazy ski story where, you know, we hiked up from the top of the lift and yeah, I'll give you a ski story. Why not? So um, I go to park city every year. Um, you know, it sounds somewhat spoiled, but um, I'm super lucky and fortunate to do it. And there's, you know, this, this area of, of park city called McConkie's bowl. And for those of you who know Park City, you get off the McConkie's lift and on a good powder day, you hike up another, you know, couple hundred yards, um, half a mile, it feels like. Um, and you get to ski down the virgin powder. And, you know, one night it snowed like, you know, two feet. And I was there with my son and a friend of his who were both like 14 at the time. And we're all wearing our Revos and it's a bright bluebird day and there's two feet of new snow. And I said to my son who, you know, let's face it at 14, nobody wants to hike up a mountain. Right. <laughs> I said, guys, we're doing it today. Yeah. And you know, these two kids are like, no way, dad or cliff. Like you can't do that. I'm like, we're doing it. And so of course, you know, I'm up there waiting for them and they're dying because they're not in as good shape. Yep. Um, we had our Revo goggles on and, you know, skied down literally first tracks in this thing that is just a really very park city kind of moment. That's a quick one that comes to mind. And I'm sure after we finish the call, you're going to you think know, of others. 20 others. Did you ever have to do any filming? Like when you were filming, like, you know, uh, on stage with Bono or maybe like, I, you know, I think there was like shark fin is a route on Maru peak, which is also in the yeah. Himalaya, or there's been some free soloing up El Capitan with, with Revo glasses. Did you, so that you was, I mean, you asked my favorite experience with Revo. Yes. I mean, certainly I am super proud and humbled and honored that, you know, Bono chose to wear Revos for, you know, two legs of concert tours over two years. Yeah. Um, he did a thing during a lot of his shows where he literally gave a pair of sunglasses away to someone he pulled up on stage. That was of course, super cool. You know, helping 50 million people get, have the gift of sight is beyond humbling. Um, you mentioned Meru and all these other places. I mean, there are a number, a number of other, you know, very famous, well-known athletes, who are wearing our product. You can see in the movie Meru, Jimmy Chin is this incredible climber, filmmaker, photographer, you know, Academy Award winning now director and his wife, um, Chai Vassarelli. You'll see Revo's in all of his movies from, you know, Free Solo, this incredible movie about Alex Honnold to Meru. Um, Max Lowe, who is the son of um, uh, Alex Lowe and um, now Conrad Anker, who's another famous, you know, climber. You'll yes. see Revo's in his recent movie, which is on Disney Plus, about his father, which is a truly moving movie for those of you who are into that stuff. I yeah. highly recommend watching it. It's on too. Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, again, going back to organic and authentic, these are all people who wear our product in their day job. And you will see the product in all of their movies and all of their pictures and all of their films. We certainly promote it on social media, but we don't do it to the point where it feels inauthentic. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that. I wanted to ask yeah. you about your favorite um, experience with your glasses, but then I wanted to talk to you about what one of the favorite experiences wa watching other people wear it. And I thought you might say yeah. 
it was Jimmy's film because watching me watching that and seeing Revo so beautiful in it, like I got excited. But I, I do want to talk about that because as a businessman, as a business person on the, in this world right now, social media is, you know, a must have. And yeah. I want to talk a little bit about your early feelings about social media and what you now feel about it after we've had some experience kind of chewing on it and how you think the right way in your experience to use social as a brand and a business. I'm going to go off course for a second and just say again, in today's day and age, and we've all seen the news over the last couple of weeks between Buffalo and Uvalde and, you know, mental health issues and all of that, that there are a lot of problems with social media as it exists today. And I am by no means an advocate for social media. Um, I think in many ways, it's a really, really problematic force in our lives today, but it's also, it's out there, it's here to stay. And so we have to use it in a way that works for our brand. And luckily we are not in a business that is, you know, obviously where social media is having all kinds of issues out there. We try to use it in a way that's very, again, I'm going to use those words again, authentic and organic part of social media is meant for promotion. But really for us, we, we try, and I'm not saying we're great at it. We get better every day. For me, social media is more about education and sharing of content than it is about promotion and advertising. Um, You know, we talked earlier about the importance of eye health and the importance of a good pair of sunglasses and the importance of getting outside and experiencing life. And, you know, if Revo can be an ever so small piece of that to share content and share education and, you know, help people figure out how it's going to work for them. Yes. That to me is, you know, when social media is at its best yeah. is when we can share with someone, you know, for example, we have a series running right now of, you know, Revo's favorite golf courses around the world. That's a good way to use social media is we can yeah. share with you. Here's a beautiful place to get outside and play golf. You know, last year we did a series where we teamed up with ski USA and Bodie Miller, and we did a Instagram live podcast similar to this. And we talked about, you know, the best places to ski around the world at all different price points. You know, we, we yeah. certainly understand that not everybody can do Everything. Everything. And that to me is when social media is again at its best is when we can share things that we love and hopefully you can experience that as well. And, you know, I hope we continue to do a better job with that every day. Yeah. Um, Cause well, again, it's an ever evolving, ever growing, ever morphing thing. And you do do a yeah. good job at it and you are authentic. And I love posting my Revo shots be- because I love to post my Revo shots. And yeah. there's no, like Cliff said, there's nothing forced about it. He's not like, Oh, you have to, you know, post Revo seven times this month. That's not what it's about. It's about no. my authentic use of the product and the brand. And I find, you know, it's my freedom. It's my freedom to, to post about my life and post about, products that I I love and brands that I am very loyal to and committed to because of people like you and heritage and the, and the reasons the brands exist. And then of course, performance and technology, you know, we we never, we never want that social media or Instagram post to feel forced. I mean, I know that there are millions of people out there who, you know, they're looking for that Instagrammable moment. And I mean, you know, to the point where like literally people have died trying right. to get that Instagram moment being at the very edge of the cliff yeah, and they have to get off. that picture. And then they make one bad step and they literally yeah. die. Yeah. You will never see Revo doing stuff like that. Right. I hope we really <laughs> want it to be authentic and organic to where if you're on an awesome hike and you take a great picture and you share that with us as a fan of Revo, we're going to share that. If we are out doing photo shoots or things, you know, it's got to be real and authentic. And again, I always 
hope that we have that educational experiential piece. I never want, you know, a Revo Instagram post to be that Instagram moment that like, you know, is fake or forced. Exactly. And all yeah. edited and crazy and all that stuff. Yeah. I totally agree. And I appreciate that. And I hope everyone listening out there that is starting business and feels very trapped or forced in this social media world to just stay true to you, stay yeah. true to your brand, stay true to self, do what feels authentic. And if it feels forced, it is. And don't do it. There's no one out there marking how many social media posts you put up at what time you put them up. And I think that sometimes we become a slave to it and it becomes the evil of the brand and not something good like you talked about. So I appreciate your advice on that one. So Cliff, before I let you go, I need to talk about when you're not running a business, when you're not dealing with a pandemic, when you're not being a great leader, Uh when you're not dealing with all these, you know, athletes and performers, you know, authentically and organically wearing and um, being an ambassador to, to Revo. And I know you have a beautiful wife and three kids. So I want to talk about how you find your freedom outside of Revo. Um, Yeah. I mean, uh, again, if I were giving life lessons to anybody on this, on this listening today, who's just starting out in business or, you know, is looking to learn more things. Work-life balance is the most important thing you could possibly have in life. If you're working 24 seven, you have no life. You know, I would summarize it by saying work-life balance is super important to us and to me and to my family. And when, when I'm not working, you know, we are fortunate enough to live just outside New York city, about an hour outside New York in Connecticut, where there's a beach and, you know, we're at the beach, we're in the ocean, we're in the pool, you know, you've heard me say we're very into skiing. We're a ski family. So any chance we get, we're running up to either it's the East coast or out to the West coast to, you know, be outdoors. You know, now that we're in a post, I hesitate to say COVID world, you know, we can travel again. And so, you know, I want my kids to experience the world. You know, we picked up two days before over Thanksgiving last year, right before sort of Omicron hit. And we went to Paris for four days on miles. We were very lucky. We built up a lot of miles, you know, so to me, it's, you know, the free time is spent with family and spent being outdoors and being active and, you know, just having fun and eating well and listening to music and going to concerts again and doing, you know, doing all those things. It's just, it's who I am and it's who our brand Revo is. It's get outside and experience life. Yes, do it. I love it. Well, yeah. I find my freedom in very same ways. And I, well, I'm going to invite you publicly up here to bring the kids and our, our 15 totally. and 14 year olds can like not want to hike and we can go on an amazing hike. So I miss your face. I love to see you. I can't wait to do more stuff together. And I thank you so much for sharing your story oh, and you. being thank on the podcast with us and continuing to create this amazing business and brand. And, you know, my favorite lenses, my favorite glasses, I'm going to be posting the advertisement. We talked about the, the very famous ad and you're going to see it. And, um, I found, I got, I finally did score my first reveal because my parents wouldn't let me have them either. And I got uh-huh. them off of, but you're going to love it. I got them off of a um, distributor. I got them off of a sales guy. I just buttered them up so much. He finally just gave me a pair of Revo. So my first <laughs> pair, I never even paid for, but they remain my favorite as do you. Thank you so much to my guest, Cliff Robinson. Cliff, for those people who are not following Revo, tell us where they can find Revo and find everything about the brand and keep sure. in touch. So thank you, Heather, for everything. I hope everybody enjoyed listening. I hope we didn't put you to sleep. (laughs) You can find everything you want to know about Revo at Revo.com, at Revo on Instagram, Revo on Facebook, at Revo on Twitter, 
If you search in R-E-V-O, you'll find us. R-E-V-O, we'll that's right. Get them on your face. <laughs> that's you, my everybody. mission statement. Get them on your face. I Thank like you it. so much. We'll be back next week with a new episode. This is Heather Thompson, and this is In My Heart. Thanks for listening. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.